Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedian, founder and CEO of Dedian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Chris Ferdinand, and today we have Aaron Fairchild. He's the co-CEO of Green Canopy Nodes. Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you very much. I'm doing great. It's good to be with you, Christopher. I truly appreciate it. And as we kind of talked about what we're going to speak about in some regards today, I'm really excited to see where the conversation is going to go. And Aaron, we had like a small introduction of who you are, but I really didn't go in deep. Please tell us a bit more of who you are, what do you do, and beyond. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a fellow human on the surface here. I think um, better understood as a father, husband, uh, son. I've got two kids and a lovely wife. I'm also the co-founder and CEO of um, Green Canopy Node, but um, have started several organizations and. Um, all focused on um, a sense of purpose and mission. So my personal mission would be two clicks of the dial different, if at all, from our organizational mission, which is we build relationships, businesses, and homes that help regenerate communities and environments. So that's kind of who I am about, um, working with people um, on a more generative or regenerative uh, arc, if you will. Aaron, I love that. And just the way that you kind of explained it, like I could definitely sense how you're connected to mother earth in a sense. And you're like, Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm a federal human being on this earth. And it's very interesting when people say it that way, because you're able to see that we're all interconnected towards human beings, towards mother earth, towards your universe and call it whatever you want to call it. But there is this interconnectedness and you being a real estate developer. And you just mentioned that you develop real estate, not only to increase the city, the community and beyond, which happens naturally, you mentioned that you do it in a way that it respects the nature in itself. Can you unpack that a bit more? Because I am from a a real estate background. I have many real estate developers come on their show and rarely I've heard somebody talk about real estate in that regard. So I want to highlight that and let you kind of speak upon that. Well, there's a whole um, body of work, understanding, research, projects um, that would identify themselves as regenerative real estate. And I think that, you know, here in probably the probably a, a great place to anchor us um green canopy we do focus on um building and developing product that's beyond code um that is more sustainable um that helps um or yeah that helps the communities that with, within which the, these assets reside and part of that is working with communities and so that's the biggest part of it is working within the community to get this done. But on the front end of this, let's be really clear. 
we all reside on the arc of hypocrisy somewhere. You will reside on that arc. I reside on that arc. We're not a purist by any stretch. We try. Where we are, I think, pure is pure of intention. We are really trying to um, push the boundaries um, so that we can, through innovation, um, cost, cons cost constraint, and working with communities so that we can create really amazing assets that are built well beyond code, that are net zero energy, net zero energy ready, that have a high uh, sustainability coefficient, if you will, um, for people at all income levels to reside within. So this isn't an exercise for um, only market rate and those that can afford to buy a home and those that then can beyond that afford to buy really expensive homes that are smart and more sustainable in nature. This is an exercise to create um, um, deep, deep green assets that are more sustainable for the benefit of all people so that everybody can um, have that ac access to that type of asset. And beyond that, it's just a means to help um, reduce suffering in the world. So if you think about it this way, we have to hire people to build our assets. Well, I flip that around and say, we build assets to hire people. We build that. So now the building is a means for community regeneration or community benefit. And it's not just a reordering of words, it's actually a reordering of orientation organizationally and interpersonally. So if I'm on the earth to just serve my needs, I would submit that I'm missing out in a, in a, in a greater richness of existence. I love what you just mentioned here. And it's one of actually my pillars of the coaching programs that I put into play, which is the fourth one, which is first and foremost, you have to create massive value, massive impact, and then the income comes. And I truly believe that you are somebody that lives by that because everything you're talking about is so passion driven and so purpose driven that makes you feel so much more fulfilled. Because if you're succeeding without fulfillment, you're essentially you're failing in a sense of a way. And when you talked about that, you create this real estate that is sustainable and great for the world and like the environment, it's not only for an affluent community, which instantly my mind went towards, I'm like, okay, you create property that is high luxury and it's for an affluent community because your margins just make it that if you're going to products that are uh, uh, safer for the environment, just cost efficiency is going to be more than a product that's not. That's just logic sense in the capitalistic world we live in. So I assume I'm like, okay, how do you make your margins? You go for an affluent community. Now you mentioned that you actually create these houses for any type of people. How do you go about that aspect when it comes to business approach? Do you do certain like, hey, let's do a couple for affluent and then some for uh, more affordable ones? Is it that ratio that balances out the end of the month or uh, end of the year books for your uh, business? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a combination of a lot of different things. But yes, taking a portfolio approach to the work. So trying to Love. recognize that we want to serve all income levels. And then, and then, but in terms of the assets, you hit you hit spot on. It's it's when you're building beyond code, you which it, 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 the whole industry is geared towards code. You know, mm -hmm. code for your jurisdiction or whatever. And and the builder's goal is to build to code and not a penny beyond code. I'm going to build it, it barely legal. It's just as legal as I possibly can get it. And and 
anything beyond that, that's fine. That's I did a good job. It's really hard to develop property. And that's that that's true. That's what you should do. What we've done, though, is we've raised a lot of money in our organization, sold uh, parts of our organization in, in, in shares and, and raised in, in entity level equity in organizations so that we can innovate within that that the the value chain of development. So we've, we've, we've vertically integrated at certain key aspects of our business funds. We manage real estate funds. So typically banks, we, we don't, we don't rely on banks. We'll either create our own little mini lending lending institution, or we'll create equity institution that banks would love to partner with. Um, we have our own acquisition team. We have our own in-house design firm. Um, that works with outside clients and our, you know, our internal and, and services, our funds. Um, we have an estimating procurement team that acts kind of like a, uh, an extension of the developer mindset where I'm going to try and put contracts together. But that estimating procurement team is dovetailed in with our um, appraising, our appraisal team, so that through the iterative design process, we're also iteratively estimating and, and being able to design to budgets. That estimating procurement team is also responsible for setting up the projects. So they put together complete construction packages with everything down and selected, pre-selected, signed off, contracts signed before we even break dirt. And then we have our own general contractor. We've also just added uh, an R&D team. We just merged a company into ours that's focused entirely on research and development. But stitching these things together into one platform allows us to weed out inefficiencies that are rampant in our industry. If you're a real estate developer, you know that. Um, so if we can weed out inefficiency, then we can build for less money and afford the cost of higher cost inputs to build beyond code and still get the customary margin. So that's how we do it. And we also take a portfolio approach. If you're familiar with affordable housing or the world of affordable home ownership, you know that a toilet is a toilet is a toilet is a toilet, or at least the cost of it. You can get shades different, but if you really want to bend cost curves to make assets, to build assets a lot, a lot more cost effectively, this has to be done offsite, one methodology. And to deliver affordable housing is also a financial um, stacking game. How do you stack capital through low-income housing credits, um, HUD funding, philanthropic funding, CRA funding, layered in with uh, philanthropic and the top layer, some private investment, private capital, each one having a different return profile such that you can make the economic work for people that are paying lower rents, below market rate rents, and for people that are paying below market rate um, uh, prices to buy the home. So in community land trusts. So our clients look like Habitat for Humanity. Some of them, you know, not all of them. And we work with institutional investors that have us build green product because we can deliver green. We can go beyond code at the same price. So they love that. And that's how we do this is you work with different sleeves of capital, but always building beyond code and then working with those institutions to help curate capital stacks in order to make this happen and possible. It's a, it's a, it's a very holistic approach that takes, has taken us years to put in place. <laughs> so Aaron, I mean, it could hunt, like I a hundred percent understand why it takes you years because what you just explained is so well structured. And not only that, Within your mission with this organization, it's not only going to push forward your business and sustainability and all that, but it's going to push 
the real estate developing business to a next level. Because if there is companies more and more like you, it's going to be forcing, like you said, the developers are just doing just code just to be legal, but then you're leaving a lot of you know, health measures out or whatever the case is out there by companies like you bringing this to the forefront, it's going to bring the code to that next level. It's always going to incrementally go forward. So that is amazing the way that you're kind of approaching that. And Eric, you had mentioned previously hypocrisy and it was very interesting. And I wanted to re-highlight it over here. As you said, you know, we're all hypocrisy and me, you, but we're, we're lacking some purity in that end. Please unpack that. What do you mean in that regards when you said that comment? Well, you know, um, I, I find that oftentimes humans, when we find something, when, when we are confronted or maybe not confronted, but when something new comes up that causes us to want or causes us to consider change, changing our behavior in some way or another, um, we as humans tend to poke at that and say, yeah, why do I need to change? Well, you're not so great yourself. And we start to unpack this sort of thing. And my experience is is somebody who's self-identified as a green um, builder, but for-profit green builder, really quickly people want to say, ah, but you could do better. You know, you're in in code builders alike. You know, I've sat on the Master Builders Association boards and done all the things and stuff. It's like, so there's always somebody that's not always somebody, but they're people. It's in our tendency to poke and find flaws in arguments that may or may not align to our particular perspective. And what I'm really quick to point out is I'm not claiming purity. You know, I, I, I like well, this is not um, an exercise in holier than thouism. You know, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to be inspirational by demonstrating that actually what Apple does is innovate and what we're trying to do is innovate to create like apple or whomever a world or a future vision that they hold and pull that forward and and the future vision that we hold is is frankly one that our hearts know is possible is really hard to achieve so we take incremental steps and as an example if you wanted to unpack the supply chain for a solar panel what you find is a lot of dirty materials that go all the way out across the world. They're extracted from the earth um, and assembled into a solar panel that now is a, is a, can generate its own electricity, but we conveniently uh, overlook the dirty supply chain. Well, does it mean we shouldn't do that? No, it means we can, we can always improve and get incrementally better, but don't succumb to your own hubris. You know? Okay. <laughs> So I, I love that because I think as human beings, we're imperfect. And I truly believe our perfection Absolutely. is the fact that we're imperfect. Now, where Wabi it comes sabi. to, yeah. So where, where sorry? Shabumi, wabi-sabi. Exactly. Perfect imperfection. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So my belief is I'm a pure capitalist. What I mean pure capitalist is I'm an entrepreneur. I truly believe in the more you work, the more you earn, you deserve it and and so on. Where I have an issue is capitalism with a lack of empathy. I would love to promote capitalism with empathy. 
Meaning, if you are building, like you said, like you said, you have a business, you're making money. But if you're doing it, not hurting other people, not hurting yourself, not hurting the environment, then you're doing it right. If you're doing capitalism while hurting those things in itself, then really, I think that's where the problem is. And what you just mentioned with solar panel being like, hey, it's a sustainable thing, but we're underlining, looking at other aspects of that creation of that solar panel, which is not sustainable or healthy. We should look at it. Yes, things that we should look at. And I did like the way that you approach it of like, hey, it's okay that they're doing it this way, but let's be aware of that there's always growth. And I do believe life Absolutely. generation it's like a yeah. like a, a race of baton like we're trying to bring the baton as much as forward and we have 400 meters until we die let's say and then we pass yes. it out to the next generation and they're going to do their yes. part so yes. i love yes. that approach and i well love the way said. they kind of brought it from well well said christopher i think that, that that is truly um a generative or more regenerative mindset it's 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 what you just said is diametrically opposed to yeah, but we should do things the way we've always done them. And if it's not broken, don't fix it. What you're saying in some ways, if I may, is if it's not broken, perhaps we should break it and see if we can improve upon it. Because as far as we're aware, we're imperfect, even while we're doing good, and we might be able to do even better. So laissez-faire, maybe, but you know what? The entrepreneurial mindset is toward uh, is is really one of, and I don't mean to be political here at all in this statement, is a progressive mindset, one that is going, continuing to move forward and seek out change yes. and seek out change in a way that, again, to the entrepreneurial language, solves for pain in society. So if we take that calling and embed that into some sort of, if, if you may, a spiritual notion, my job, and, and not to get all woo-woo, think about spiritual simply in the sense of be, thinking about myself in, internally. My job as an entrepreneur is to help limit suffering. And, the, the, and, and, and that starts with me, you know? How, how, how do I, how can I um, be the best version of myself so that I can also extend that outwards and help society be the best version of itself self, through the innovation, through the inner work, through, through all that. And you're right on, Christopher. It's very enlightening. So Aaron, I, I love what where this conversation is going and the way you're kind of dropping these gems because you're absolutely right. Here's the regards. Like the ideology of if it's not broken, don't change it is okay to a certain extent, but yes. understanding the inevitability of change is a, like a human law. It's the law of nature. It's physically impossible. Everything's going to change. You might be succeeding, you might be going down, you might be going up, you might, whatever the case is. So understanding that that behavior of growth is like always going to be there and always something we have to strive towards, just like you're saying in certain industries, it's inevitability that we have to look yes. towards. And Aaron, you kind of talked about something that's very interesting, and I want to kind of unpack it. And I feel like you're very much in line with this, is that you really, what I understand, and once again, like, tell me if I'm right, you see yourself somebody that is here to serve at a very high level. The vehicle that you've used to serve is to entrepreneurship, through real estate and beyond. But your ideology is that we're here. And once again, this is my ideology. Tell me if you resonate with this, because I do feel like you do is that we're all here as a vehicle of the universe here to serve. And the universe is using our vehicle with our greatness, with our knowledge, with our expertise, serving to the universe for the greater good. And 
the way you're talking about business in a very spiritual way, which is very interesting to me because I'm, I'm somebody who's very spiritual and I'm somebody who's very business. And I feel like more and more the business world is going towards that spirituality aspect and having these enlightenment approaches. Mm, now, my mm. question to you, Aaron, how mm. did this happen in your career? Was it something that you were born into that like understanding that spirituality, being connected with yourself, or it was something that opened up throughout your uh, professional career? Well, I believe that, you know, it's, it's, it's not unique to myself. Um, I think it, you know, we all hold the spirit of service as an example. Um, when someone doesn't reciprocate, we tend to not work with them again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like if I, if I do you a favor and, and sometime down the road, I, I need a favor from you. That's the same or less than, and you say, no, well, that is now absolutely in disservice to the greater good, the community at large. And it tends to repulse people. We do not like it when people don't return, reciprocate and kind. So I, I don't think I'm unique by any stretch. I think everybody, in fact, we're all <laughs> shades of the same. Um, we're, we're one in many respects, just from a sensual perspective. When I say the word cinnamon, what do you think? You, what does it smell like? Mm-hmm. Well, I know what you think it smells like because it smells that way to me in a universal band. That's because we're all essentially one as a species. So if I, if I snap my fingers, I know what you are hearing because it is universally heard the same way. Now I'm colorblind, so there's clicks of the dial here, but the bell curve is we essentially are one with many differences, with many subtle differences. So that spiritual inclination or the desire to help others is within everybody, accessing it, uh, uh, magnifying it, cre- uh, creating it to, um, to add to your own personal richness takes a little bit of thought and work. But I would also suggest or offer this, that humans will die in time if left alone, especially as an infant. We need people. We need community. That is, there's just like, like, we cannot exist but for each other. So my survival is based on your survival. I need my community. I need, if, so if I'm not concerned about the greater community or the greater good, what I'm doing is I'm walking a life that's less nourished than it would be otherwise. As soon as I start rotating that spotlight away from my own ego and start thinking about this is I am in service to others and I want to help my community. What ends up happening is I start in, in, enjoying a greater richness of being in life. And, you know, money, we all have to come to our own relationship and understanding with capital. But my observation is the minute you, you, you let go of something and, and, you, and you stop operating from a scarcity mindset, and one from abundance, suddenly certain things start to take care of themselves. And another really odd example here, I've never played this before, but um, you will meet and have met many couples that have been trying to get pregnant 
and they can't. And it's just like they go to every doctor, try every fertility thing, and they just can't get pregnant. And then it's the second they let go of it and just say, oh, we're never going to have kids. What happens? So it's, there is this, if we can let go of the pursuit of capital and focus on the service of people and our community, and now we're operating from an abundance mindset. Like, it, you know, it may come, it may not. And these things are noticed across the millennia by every spiritual tradition that you can bring to, to bear and many, many wise people along the way that as soon as we let go, we start to enjoy a greater richness. Yeah. I, I love that. Like, I mean, we could rant about this until tomorrow morning because I truly believe the universe is perfect and it's created so much perfection and it didn't start creating something not perfect with you. You are a perfect individual. <laughs> That's right. So if you're going through those difficult moments, you're going through those ups, downs, downs, there's a purpose for it. And there's a reason for it. And like you mentioned, when you leave that scarcity mindset and go into that abundance mindset, that letting go, then the universe starts flowing what he wants to flow to you because it's your birthright. But like you said, that starts with the ideology of service, which is going to give you the fulfillment. Because like, like you know, Aaron, like I, I've crossed paths many, many people that are highly financially successful, as am I in so many levels. But if you're not fulfilled with the financial aspect, then you're truly not going to be happy throughout your life. So you have to have that balance of like, it's not about how much you make, it's how you're making your money that's going to get you so much more on a higher level. Then you're going to be able to accumulate more, but more importantly, be fulfilled as an individual, as a human being. So yeah, I, that's right. I mean, I want to ask you one question over here because sure. I, I mean, this is so interesting about like all what we're doing. And I'm really intrigued about what you're going to answer with this. This is one of my favorite questions. And granted, it's clear that you're highly successful, but more than highly successful, you're very much wise and connected within your inner body, your outer wisdom with the universe and beyond. And we always talk about success, but I truly believe there's some value within some failures, some difficulties, or some things that you can optimize. So my question to you is, within your business right now, what are certain things that you know that you should be working on or can be working on to optimize? And talk to me about that situation and how we would go about resolving that situation in itself. Well, you know, I think it's a Chinese proverb. Um, it goes like this. Wisdom is about knowing what to ignore. A wise person knows what to ignore. And I think ups and downs and lessons, hard times really teach us when things are going more normally, which they rarely do. There's episodic sort of stuff. Um, what to ignore and what to not get caught up and spun into. I think that it, that what you're, you're driving at, there's always things to optimize in a business. And I think the question is, how do we do that? How do we go about optimizing? How do we go about actually leading and, and developing the organization? I'll share a story with you. Um, um, Dick Cooley, uh, I had an opportunity to engage with for quite a while. Um, and he was written in the book, Good to Great, um, Collins book, and um, was the head of national banks um, and lived here in the Pacific Northwest. And he, he, he said to me once, 
the, the difference between a good manager and a great manager. A good manager, entrepreneur, per, you know, person in business, they'll make the right decision 50% of the time. Now, how I interpret that is you will get the outcomes you expect about 50% of the time when you're making decisions. A great manager, a great manager will get the right outcome or they'll get the outcomes that they expect 60% of the time. Okay, so there's three major takeaways that I take from that. Number one, you're gonna be wrong a lot. Get used to it. In fact, use the knowledge that you're gonna be wrong a lot to just check your ego at the door. Mm-hmm. Because if you start attaching your, your ego to your ideas, it's going to be a painful road for you. And you're probably going to, you're probably going to make people around you very mm, not, not happy. So you're going to be wrong a lot. Get comfortable with that. And the highest of offices, get comfortable with that. The other thing it tells me is the second thing. There's three. Second thing, give me 10% at any casino and I'll clean house. <laughs> you know, 10% advantage in business. Yeah, are you kidding me? You know, that's like enormous. That's huge. So I'm going to be wrong a lot. But if I'm wrong fewer times or I get the outcomes that I expect more often, just a little bit, those percentages over time um, allow you to do really amazing things. And then the third thing, this is more a question. It gets to your point. How do you go from 50 to 60? Mm-hmm. So I already said part of it. Stop thinking you're right. And that you're the, 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 the person, you know, the, the person that I'm the decider. You know, stop, let go of that. And my theory or, or the way I operate is, you know, the world of organizational design and development, real estate, whatever, tech, whatever you, I mean, we're across lots of verticals, finance. So whatever, Whatever you're doing, um, we're working in the ethereal mind. And I'm explaining something to you, and you're thinking about it. So let me give you an example. You know flow state, right? Flow when you're in flow. Right. So, okay, great. Most of the examples that we hear of somebody who's in flow is like Michael Jordan. He's got the basketball, time slows down. You know, Mario Andretti. I just I just watched Ford versus Ferrari. Great. Like when he's driving, not Mario, but it was like Ken. Uh, I can't remember his last name, the driver, he, when he's driving all oh, time slows down and just like, um, Pele used to describe that he could see six different ways to the goal. And it just like flow right through, just like, and it just slows down. It's the aperture of awareness just expands. Right? So um, they all have an advantage that we don't enjoy in business. They use their eyes to see the terrain. When I am describing something to you, we are not using our eyes. We are using our minds to identify terrain together that you see in your mind and I see in my mind. And I sure as heck hope that you're seeing what I'm seeing in my mind, but I don't look for agreement. I look for resonance because resonance is whole body. So if I go to you, Christopher, I said, this is what I'm, this is an objective I'm working on of optimization in the organization. What do you think? Do you agree with me? I don't want agreement. I want to ask, what do you feel? Because feeling is, no, what you're saying resonates with me. I feel that. That makes sense. That's what I'm looking for. 
and I use people as my eyes for the terrain. They help me identify terrain. So I, if I've got an orientation and inclination of optimization, I will assume that it's the right orientation, hold held loosely. And then I will go talk to people that will be impacted by whatever decision is made because they are my terrain. Is this a tree, a rock? They're gonna help me identify the terrain because I can't use my eyes. I can, I can use other people to help me figure out. The, and what I'm looking for is resonance because resonance is flow. Agreement, cognitive, you, you're gonna go wrong if you're using your brain only. There is a deeply held emotional context to what we do and you have to feel it. So I'll talk to a few people and once I feel like, oh, we've got resonance, we've got flow, this is their direction. Now you don't fiddle fart around, you get after it. Um, the more you suffer from, well, I need to ask a few more people. And that's where sometimes it, it's important to know what to ignore and say, okay, we've got it, let's, let's go. And, and what you're not trying to do is always get the right answer. What you're trying to do is create the conviction that what you're doing is right by the process that you went through such that after the decision is made and you look back and you got the wrong outcome because it will still happen, you said, mm, but I would make those same decision 10 times out of 10 because we had good process. We had really good process. Um, you will always get the wrong out. That will never stop. You'll get a wrong outcome. People get lucky, make the wrong decision and get a right outcome. The inverse is true. But what you're trying to do is just as odds. You know, you're trying to over time outperform. And you do that by getting out of your way, listening to people, elevating voices that aren't typically heard because, boy, there's a lot of gem in there. Wow, you just dropped some knowledge here. Definitely dropped some golden nuggets, and I hope everybody picked it up. I'm just going to do my best to highlight Whatever. certain things. Uh, 100%, the correlation to be able to go into that state of flaw as an entrepreneur is highly beyond valuable. It's the difference between succeeding at a high level and not. Actually, there's research that shows that when you're in flow states, you're 500% more effective than when you're not. And that's not only open for athletes. Huh. Like you said, everybody sure. thinks yeah. about like the Michael Jordans, the Pele's of this world, the Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. whatever athlete you want to name. But yeah. if you think about flow state, you think about a jazz musician, they get into flow states. It's called the pocket, right? If you think about mm -hmm. a comedian when he's on stage, it's called the forever box when they're, having, they're such in a flow of state and everything they're saying is making people just hilariously laugh. But as entrepreneurs, we have that. And once we're doing that, what's happening in your brain? And I think this is where it's going to come into, into a link. Yeah, There's yeah. three main things. One, your mm. time dilutes, right? So either you're going faster mm. or slower. Second thing is your three-dimensional world diminishes. So you might be not even aware of where you are. You're so focused. And finally, the third thing, which is the most important, which is correlating to what you're saying, is that inner negative voice completely turns off. You're creating without doubting. You're not thinking about, oh my God, is this good? Is this bad? What are they going to think? X, Y, and Z. You're just in that flow state of creation, which is where, like you just mentioned, you're getting out of your mind and you're getting into your heart, which is exactly where you need to be when it comes to high levels of, of creation. And that's that energy and that synergy that you're explaining. I'm definitely getting excited you, about this conversation. How you, how, you, how you feel that though is, is rarely in isolation. You yeah, know possibly. you're in flow. Yeah, you know you're in flow because of the, the the musicians around you are all harmonizing. Harmony, like can 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 you cognitively describe harmony? You know, it's it's a it's a felt thing. You know? So 
I love that. I do believe you're absolutely right. Just like imagine meditating. If you're meditating with somebody or if you're, let's say, praying with somebody or whatever, when mm. you are with more than one person, the energy connects mm. toward people and it's more powerful. That being said, I still believe you can do it by yourself. Sure. It's just not absolutely. to the same level. That's the ideology mm. of Think and Grow Rich with uh, uh, Napoleon Hill when he talks about the mastermind. Two minds yeah. are better than one. Three minds are better yeah. than two and vice and, and yeah. so on. Yeah. So Absolutely. Aaron, and you can't I, I mean, get into flow on your own. That's for sure. It, it, how in business we know we're in flow is often off of other people. But a jazz musician playing in their basement can crank out an incredible yeah. riff on their own. And, 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 a, and a soccer player or football player juggling the ball. I mean, when you're in that flow just on your own, you know it. In business, it tends to be felt more through the interplay of the yes. community that you're with your in. That, yeah. That is my Aaron, I truly love this conversation. Honestly, like, I mean, uh, I I, I love going into these like uh, podcasts with not necessarily knowing where it's going to go and always leads up Mm -hmm. to certain things that are amazing. And like this, all this aspect. So anyways, that being said, my last question to you, Aaron, is where can my community connect with you, speak with you, see how you're doing some services? I do know that you are based out of uh, Seattle, Washington. You do some work in Portland, Oregon as well. So where can some people connect with you uh, in that regard? Well, we work all across the country. We have clients um, uh, as far away from here as Fayetteville, Arkansas. We also um, have investors and uh, investment partners that span the country, east and west coast. Um, our most of our assets, our most of the building assets, are built here in Washington and Portland. Um, and you can you can absolutely get a hold of me or our company. Uh, via our website, Green Canopy Node. You can also email me directly, Aaron at greencanopynode.com. And um, I'm happy to engage in any sort of conversation or exploration with people. Wonderful. I love that, Aaron. Once again, thank you very much. And I truly salute you. And I'm not blowing steam up here, but but salute you that you are... (laughs) an entrepreneur that works with entrepreneurship with empathy, which is, like I said, Mm. something that I strive for every single day. I do believe there is position. You can make Mm. capitalism, like earning money is your birthright, but do it with helping others. Don't do it without hurting the world, the universe and beyond. So that being said, Aaron, thank you for being here. Thank you for bringing this amazing knowledge to everybody. Speak to you soon, my brother. Thank you. All right. Take care. Christopher Dedian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or intrapreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didia. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.